last Sunday evening, we looked at how the great Apostle Paul, the pastor of the church in Thessalonica, uh, he was absent from them. He was in Corinth when he wrote this letter. He'd only spent three weeks or so in Thessalonica, and then they, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, had to flee because of persecution. And Paul's critics were getting at him because they said he didn't really care for them in running away. But Paul here is defending his ministry, and he said, this is what we looked at last time, I longed to get back to you, but not the Lord, but Satan hindered us. And devil is real. The devil is stronger than you or I, but he's not as powerful as our Savior. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And wherever God is working, uh, take this situation where God was really at work, the devil will stir opposition. We should always take encouragement when there is an attack. It shows that Satan is worried. And we can't explain it, but in God's overruling providence, he allows the devil to hinder. He won't destroy the work, but he can try and stop us and discourage us and divide us. But in the end, we triumph in the name of Jesus Christ and through his blood. And though Satan may hinder, he will not stop. He will not stop. And we need to be constantly on our guard. I wonder, since last Sunday evening, have you prayed for protection as we study this whole topic of the spiritual battle? We are in a battle, and the devil doesn't want us to be seeking the Lord for an outpouring of the Spirit. The devil doesn't want us to preach the gospel in power and in clarity. The devil doesn't want us to be a united people loving one another, witnessing to the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will do his utmost to have a foothold, and we must not give place to the devil. We must be on our guard. But praise God, we're on the winning side. And we're going to look now at chapter 3. We'll only start looking at it this evening. Being hindered from visiting them, seeing them face to face, was actually a good thing, even though Satan was hindering the great apostle. Unless Satan had hindered him, Paul would not have written this letter. Isn't that good? If Paul had been enabled to see them face to face, we would not have the privilege of going through on Thessalonians. And Paul says here, uh, I was left alone in Athens. Uh, he eventually got to Corinth, but before he went there, he was in Athens. And he had a pastor's heart, right? Paul was the great evangelist. He, by God's uh, grace, had set up the church in Thessalonica. So he was a mighty preacher of the gospel. But he wasn't just an evangelist. He was Mr. Greatheart as well. Bunyan's portrayal of a pastor. 
And Paul's pastoral heart bled for his children in Thessalonica. And when he was in Athens, he was worried sick for the church. Isn't that an encouragement? If you are burdened, I know our elders here, they've been burdened these last few years. I'd rather have elders that were burdened than couldn't care less about the work. It's an encouraging sign when uh, you are concerned for the well-being of the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul was like that. So not being able to see them, this was before he wrote the letter, he decides to send Timothy to them. So what we're going to look at this evening is Paul sending Timothy to see what the situation was like to do a recce uh, in Thessalonica. And there are three different groups we're going to look at. First, there's Paul, the pastor. Then there's Timothy, the assistant pastor. <laughs> Not so uh, much Paul's older assistant, but younger assistant. And then there's the congregation, the church at Thessalonica. We'll just look at each of those in turn and then we'll be done. So Paul, first of all, what do we learn here about the pastor? I've already said he's Mr. Greatheart. Look at verse 1. When we could no longer endure it. No, there was plenty to do in Athens. Have you been to Athens? I haven't been to Athens yet. But one day I will. And there are so many sights to see there. And Paul had plenty to occupy his mind in Athens. And yet, none of that was doing him any good. Because his heart was still in Thessalonica. And his evangelist heart was burdened for the people of Athens. He was grieved. The word in the original is uh, angered, righteous anger, seeing all the temples in Athens. And he felt orphaned in Athens. Look at verse 1 again. We thought it good to be left in Athens alone. The word in the Greek for that means to be bereft, to be orphaned. So think of Paul here. He loves the Thessalonians so much that he's ready to send Timothy. Timothy had joined him in Athens, so Paul and Timothy were brothers in arms in Athens. How he needed Timothy's encouragement in Athens. What a team they would have made evangelizing Athens. Who better to be an evangelist in Athens than a, the Apostle Paul? He had such a great intellect, and Timothy helping him. And even if they wouldn't have been able to preach the gospel in Athens, how Timothy's companionship would have encouraged the Apostle Paul. I find it a great encouragement uh, not to stand alone, but to have somebody who is called of God to assist in the work. Think of all the benefits of Paul and Timothy together in Athens. But such was Paul's concern for the church of Thessalonica, he was willing to sacrifice Timothy. Isn't that amazing? Uh, in Philippians, Philippians 2, Paul says of Timothy, they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ, but you know of his proven worth. 
Timothy didn't seek his own interest. Timothy looked out for other people. And that's true of Paul, isn't it? Paul wasn't wrapped up with himself. He was so concerned about the Thessalonians that he was willing to forego his own comforts. 1 Corinthians 13, that great chapter on love, one of the characteristics of love is that it does not seek its own. Do you know what that means? Love isn't self-seeking. Love is going to be more concerned about the other than oneself. This is hard, isn't it? What can we learn from the pastor, Paul, here? Not just those of us who are in the ministry, but for every one of us. Or may we follow Paul's example and be loving of one another and be sacrificial in how we deal with one another. We're not always like that, alas. If we are more concerned about the other person, we're not going to be so inclined to want to have the last word, are we? We're not going to be so dominant in wanting our particular opinions to be heard. We're going to want to let other people have as much of the attention. This is not human love. There is concern in the milk of human kindness. This is higher. This is agape love. This is the love of Christ working in the Apostle Paul. Uh, you know, human love can sometimes be so possessive, can't it? That's described as love, but really it isn't. It's just a self-centered love. You want to hold on to somebody for your own interest. Maybe we wouldn't admit to that, but agape love is open in its attitude to others. It's giving rather than possessive. Isn't this the love of Christ? Uh, Paul had to write to a church that wasn't emulating this. The church at Philippi, the church where he had uh, set up before Thessalonica. And he wrote in Philippians chapter 2, you know the words, we know them off by heart, but let us put them into practice. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He could have stood on his rights, but he didn't. But instead he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. And the application of that to us is let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. This is the love that the Apostle Paul had towards the Thessalonians. This is the agape, sacrificial love that we are to demonstrate to one another. Let's each esteem others, not better, because that can be the case sometimes, because a person may be not as gifted, but more important, let each esteem others more important than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests. We've got to look after ourselves then, otherwise we can't look after other people. As I said this morning, there is a right loving of yourself, teaching your, treating yourself with respect. 
But then, that doesn't cause us to be self-centered. It causes us to give of ourselves to others. May God enable us to have the attitude of the Apostle Paul here. I wonder, are we too possessive sometimes? Not just of our own personal interests, but of our family, or even of our local church. You know, Paul was willing to let go of his greatest friend, Timothy. He was willing for Timothy to go to another church, even if that meant Paul, who was in great need in Athens of Timothy's help, being bereft. I think we can learn from that. Do, do we see other churches in Cardiff as important as we are? And can we allow even some of our best people, as we have done over these last few years, to serve the Lord in other churches? What a privilege to have Ian and Salome uh, serving the Lord down the bay. God moves in a mysterious way. They are coming across more of the people they were trying to reach in the Middle East in Cardiff Bay. Isn't that good? What a privilege to let go of some of those that we've had over the years training with us. Think of Mark Fisher. Think of Howell George. And in a sense, we've lost some good people. And yet, they've gained in other places. The church of Jesus Christ is bigger than this place. And yet, we can be so possessive. And we can do it with the right intentions. We can try and control other people in order to hold on. My friends... That's not Paul's way. That's not Christ's way. That should not be God's way if he's to have free course amongst us by his Spirit. Hold on to everything with a loose hold. Hold on to your church. We love this church. I love the Heath. I love everything we stand for. But there are other churches as well. And may I hold on loosely to this church. May we hold on loosely to our possessions. May we hold on loosely to our families, even though we love them to bits. May we hold on loosely to them in order to hand them to Christ. That's the only place they're safe, in Christ's hands. Have you heard of Chesterton? He wrote the Father Brown mysteries, great little short stories, a great understanding of human nature. He's got this quote, how much larger our life would be if ourselves could become smaller in it. I like that. Imagine how much bigger your life with the Lord could be if your own little interests were much smaller in it. How much bigger our life as a church could be if our own church wasn't just the only church, but we're all part of this big plan of God. You know, I'm saying this in jest, but it's a serious point. I've been served coffee in a Heath Church mug. You remember those mugs that we did to celebrate our anniversary? I think, Andy, you were 
with us uh, at that time. I've been served coffee with such a mug in the hills of Andhra Pradesh. (laughs) The more we give out, somehow the more the Lord trusts us with more. It doesn't make sense, does it, in human terms? The more we try to possess and hold on to things, the more we lose them. So that's the first thing uh, from the great apostle Paul. He had a sacrificial, not possessive love of the uh, church, and he was willing to sacrifice his best man in order to be of help to them. He was willing to be bereft. Indeed, writing in Romans, Paul had such a concern for his own people, the Jewish people, This is an amazing thing to say, isn't it? That he was willing to be condemned. I don't understand understand that. Then let's look at Timothy, the assistant. What can we say of Timothy here? Well, we are learning about gifts uh, on Wednesday evening, and that's very helpful. But what Paul concentrates on when he mentions Timothy is not so much spiritual gifts, but spiritual graces or to put it another way character character now we often make the mistake don't we especially when we think of leadership that it's what kind of not gifts as in spiritual gifts but gifts as how high up a person may be Uh, many many years ago did this church have a big seat where that platform is the set vowel did it have that I was brought up in a chapel, the Presbyterian chapel, with a big seat. And seated on the big seats were the great and the good of society. They were the Blainoriaid, the elders and deacons. They were chosen not because of godly character, but because of who they were in society. Now, Paul and the Bible, they're not interested in that. They're more interested in your character. My character. Let's see what he says about Timothy's characters here. He says a number of things about this young man. He's a brother. I sent Timothy a brother. What a lovely description. Before anything else, you've got to be a believer. We've heard of people, haven't we, who've gone into the ministry and they're not believers. What's the point? Unless you've experienced something, How can you be of help to other people? So just realize, first of all, that you're a Christian. Thank God that you're a Christian. Where there's life, where there's spiritual life, there's spiritual hope. And Timothy wasn't just a believer in Paul's eyes, not just a fellow brother. And incidentally, we are all brothers and sisters here this evening. Whatever physical ties we may have, and this is a family church, so there are uh, strong family ties here, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a lovely thing. There are ties even stronger than that, and that's our spiritual ties. Brothers, sisters, friends. Do you realize you're in this wonderful, royal, spiritual family of heaven even if you're not related to anybody in the evangelical world you are related to Jesus Christ and through him you are related to one another we are family and yet Timothy 
had a very close bond to Paul. He was a spiritual child. Isn't that lovely? Spiritual child. And then what else does Paul say of Timothy? He's a fellow laborer. What does the word labor mean? It's an old word for work. A fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Timothy was a worker. Isn't it good to be in a church that has people who are workers in it? And I'm not just thinking of those who are employed by the church. You are a hard-working church, and it's great to be the pastor of such a church. But look at the way this is described. Uh, it depends what translation you've got. In the New King James Version, Timothy is described here as a minister of God. In other translation, he's described as God's fellow worker. Now, all I want you to latch on to here this evening is that Paul links work with minister, right? So if we're involved in any kind of work in the church, it's not something to do with power play. It's something to do with ministering. What's the word to minister? Again, we can get confused because minister in the past would have been used to describe the minister, er parchedig, so high up. Uh, he would not even uh, be able to eat lunch with normal people. He would be seated all by himself in the parlor in the front room. Now, that's the complete opposite of what Paul is thinking of when he's mentioning Timothy being a minister of God. What's the word minister? It comes from the word diakonos, and we get the word deacon from that. And it simply means to serve. To serve. Those of you who've just joined church council, you haven't become deacons in order to have a powerful position in the church. You've come to serve. And what a lovely combination. Timothy, even though he was a worker and quite high up as a worker, he saw himself as a servant. We're back, can't we, to that sacrificial uh, love. I wonder, do we sometimes balk if we get asked to do something that is below us? Do, do, do we do that or do we consider it service for Jesus Christ? I don't know if they still do it in Cornerstone, in the Bible College in the Netherlands, training missionaries. But in Stephen Chris's day, they used to ensure uh, that people of very different backgrounds and different temperaments and maybe different standings, status in society would have to share a dorm together. That's good, isn't it? Whatever positions we may have out in the world, they are nothing when it comes to the church. We're all unprofitable servants. We are all here to serve. Andy, myself, we're here to serve. We serve a risen Saviour, and in serving Jesus, we serve one another. 
Do you know what? I think Paul's sacrificial love had rubbed off on Timothy. And I'm sure as the Thessalonians were reading this, it was going to rub off on them. Have you had those who've rubbed off on you? Not in the bad sense now. (laughs) But that loving aroma of Jesus Christ. There was a missionary called Adelaide Pollard. In 1902, she was hoping to go to Africa, but she could not raise sufficient funds to make it there. All her plans for her way of serving the Lord were ruined. In deep discouragement, she attended a prayer meeting where she overheard an old woman say, it really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your own way with our lives. And Pollard went home that night and she wrote, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold all my being, absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only, always living in me. Timothy was such a man, emulating his hero, the Apostle Paul, who was simply following our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And we shouldn't be surprised that another characteristic of Timothy is mentioned here, that he's a fellow labourer in the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? He wasn't just a worker, but he was a team player, wasn't he? Doesn't that make sense? If a person has very low views of himself, not in a bad way now, we see ourselves as created in the image of God, we see ourselves as in Christ, but we're not self-centered. So we have a lowly view of ourselves. We have a higher view of other people. As Paul writes in Romans 12, we don't seek to hobnob with the great and the good in order to have influence. We are much, much happier uh, fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And we are ready uh, to bow to God's will rather than our own. Now, that shouldn't surprise us then if such a person like Timothy is able to get on well with other people. If we have our own agenda and if we insist on doing what we want, we're not going to be good team players, are we? But if we're wanting to know God's agenda, I wonder, what is Christ's agenda for Heath Church in 2022? Don't you get excited thinking that the Lord hasn't given up on us, that he's got a plan. Now, whenever we have a business meeting, we rightly have an agenda with items on it. I wonder, in God's plan, what's on his agenda? And this is the key. When we are beginning to emulate some of these lovely spiritual characteristics, then our agenda harmonizes with God's agenda. I don't think church council is the business meeting of this church, do you? At what meeting, in particular, more than any other meeting, are we trying to tap in to God's agenda? Is it not the meeting on Wednesday nights? 
the prayer meeting. Do you know one of the greatest encouragements in our first church council meeting since electing new deacons was the time of prayer we had. That was setting the agenda for this new period in our history. We want to be uh, going forward knowing what the Lord's will is. And when we're gathered together on a Wednesday night, yes, it's a Bible study, but the Bible study is leading into the prayer time. It's really the business meeting of the church. We've got the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. Andy isn't the head of the church. No one here is the head of the church, but Christ and in that prayer meeting, we're pouring our hearts to him. And somebody prayed this, and I was struck by it on Wednesday. We're to wait on him to know what his agenda is. And you know what? He doesn't just give his uh, intimations to those of us in positions of leadership. He gives it to anybody. We're living in the age of the Spirit. The Spirit is given not just to prophets, but to young men, young women, old men, old women. Aren't you excited by that? Uh, the tea room that we once had uh, many, many years ago up the road, it was a church member that was given that of the Lord. What things the Lord can give when we wait upon him. So I'm digressing a bit, but Timothy, he was a man after God's own heart. May that be true of us, not just me and Andy, but every one of us. May our characters be Christ-like. Can you pray this prayer? This is how we tap into God's agenda. Breathe on me. Breath of God, fill me with life anew that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou wouldst do. Lord, what would you have me to do in my own life, in the life of our church. Imagine if on Wednesday we prayed that seriously. What will you have me to do? But be careful, be careful. When I first uh, became a Christian, I had some people, uh, family members, who were worried that I'd been influenced by the God squad. And they said to me, look, we're worried about you. We're worried that you're going to go into the ministry. And I said, don't worry. There are two things I'm never going to do. One is become a minister and two, become a school teacher. Because my parents were that. Well, in God's plan, I ended up doing both. So be careful. Be careful. Because God's ways are not our ways. Let me just read what Wearsby says here of Timothy. Timothy Wearsby, read those little commentaries. They are gems. Timothy was a good team man. He did not try to run the show himself and let people follow him. We've got to be careful if we're strong characters. We've got to be careful. We, we've got to take the back seats. He was a fellow worker with God. It was God who worked in and through Timothy to accomplish his work. We don't want people to follow us. We want people to follow Christ. And if our tendency is to assert ourselves, maybe we need just to be aware of that. So let's look finally and very quickly, if we've got time. Maybe we haven't got time. We'll look next time at the Thessalonians. I think we've got enough there to pray over and put into practice. 
Do, do you come to church thinking it's going to be the pastor or the assistant pastor that's going to be doing everything? Do you? Well, we do have different people giving the notices now, and we're going to have different people welcoming at the door, but you don't have to be doing those things. We are all involved. The easiest part of the sermon tonight is over, and I'm breathing a sigh of relief because I've finished the sermon. But the hardest part for me and for you is ahead of us, and that's putting into practice what we've heard. I think it's better for me to stop there. If we were to put into practice those spiritual characteristics of Paul and Timothy, even if it would not lead to revival, would it not lead to a revolution, a spiritual revolution? And people will start talking about this church and they will start saying, what's happening at the Heath? What's happening to those people at the Heath? Their lives are transformed simply because we're putting into practice what God has said in his word for his name's sake. Uh, we're going to sing now in finishing a sovereign protector I have. I don't want you to think that this is something we are doing in our own strength. It's yet not I, but the power of Christ in me. And a sovereign protector I have, unseen and yet always at hand. A great hymn. I muse on the years that are past, wherein my protection thou hast proved. And looking to the future, uh, we know that he will continue to lead us. So 567 at home.
Father, we just thank Thee for being able to study the character uh, only a bit of Paul and Timothy, not because they were great, but because they emulated something of Christ. And we just pray by the Spirit, Christ would rub off on us uh, through Paul and Timothy. And we thank Thee for that sacrificial, selfless love that Thou hast shown in Christ, that the Father so loved the world that he gave his one and only only begotten son and that jesus thy son was ready to come into this sinful world and to be demeaned to make himself of no reputation and taking upon himself the form of a servant and coming not to to be served but to serve and to be humiliated to the death on the cross so that we might be signally loved we praise thee lord and how dare we uh, be masters? Uh, may we only call Jesus our master. And may we know uh, these lovely things as we go out into a world that is desperate to see reality, to see the power of love, not in something soppy, but in something that is of thee. Now may the grace, let us say it together, because we are brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forever. Amen.